This is an ABC podcast. Hello, I'm Virginia Trioli and welcome to You Don't Know Me, a podcast where I ask one person seven questions to get to the heart of who they are. So let's dive in with this episode's guest. Virginia Gay is a celebrated Australian singer, actor, writer and director. She's written and starred in the MTC's production of Cyrano, and you may know her from Savage River, All Saints and Winners and Losers. So yes, it's Virginia Square today. Virginia Gay, welcome. So nice to have another one. Every time. I take, <laughs> and when you when you tweet me and I get to tweet back, oh, hi, Virginia. Thank you so much. Love, Virginia. Yeah, it thanks, just, Virginia. It yeah. just makes me very happy. It's just a very, very unusual thing. It never really happens. It's true. How's it going? Congratulations. Thank you so much. We're having a glorious time. It's such a it's such a joy explosion of a show and it's such a show that welcomes people back to theatre. So we are... We are absolutely soaking it in. Which is how it began, and that's sort of the, the, this uh, story of Cyrano has a lot of backstory because, of course, yeah. it was written and then famously uh, you're about to uh, start on opening night. We went into lockdown number six, number six, people, mm-hmm. and uh, three hours before you're about to take to the stage, yeah. which really was one of the great heartbreaks of many in this city. It was just, it was such a... I remember thinking, who's writing this episode of my life? Because I find these metaphors a little heavy-handed. Yeah, really. You know what I mean? Your editor like, would make you take it exactly. out, Exactly. Right? Yeah. They'd go, just like bury that a little bit because yeah. it's a show about isolation. It's a show about the courage that it takes to come out of isolation, how we reach for each other again. It was a show about welcoming people back to the theatre. And for that to be closed moments before it was about Cliche. to open. Exactly. Obvious, I would say. As I said, (laughs) heavy-handed. Where's the poetry? (laughs) Where's the subtlety? Oh, there was no poetry that night. No, although I I, I do think that 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 you and um, and the cast members, because there's a little bar at the front of the MTC, just went and basically threw down as much as you could before curfew hit. Correct? We absolutely did. We drank and drank and drank. And you know what? We don't encourage heavy drinking on this show, but in this case. I'm going to give them a pass. So you've got that and you've got Savage River as well. i got a lovely comment. Oh, I love Virginia Gay, but I don't like her character on this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it because I'm finding the truth? Is it because I'm putting people on the spot? Is that too real for you? Is you, it? Is it? I, you may be being a little bit mean about yeah. it. I mean, you know, she's driven. She's one. driven. She's tough. She's also, oh, my God, the thing that I loved about Savage River when I first read it was the fact that this was this was pitched to me as an Australian broad church. So the idea yes, that you have to... I can to, see that. Right? Yeah. So the idea that you had to solve a murder from within the community, from the, within the community. So I hope it's not spoiling anything to say that, you know, I had to um, uh, interrogate my um, my ex-husband for one of the terrible things that has happened recently, you know, and that my daughter, my estranged daughter, has vital clues that in the great world of teenagehood, of course, she's been holding on to. And she won't tell you. She bloody well won't. <laughs> God. I don't even have teenagers and I'm like, ugh, teenagers. And I was like, wait, I was a teenager. Oh, no. Welcome to my world. (laughs) We're going to get to know a lot more about Virginia Gay. We know of her, of course, as a celebrated actor herself, someone who's done incredibly well in television before, as well as a stage, of course, and also a wonderful singer. You'd never know it, but I... Am chaos. I am chaos. And I always think it's you'd never know it, particularly because I have always played such authoritative, high-functioning um, roles, particularly on television, the ones who are, you know, who run the hospital. That was my first job out of drama school. Yeah. Running 
a hospital at the age of 24. Of course. <laughs> sharing an office with John Howard, with Australia's John Howard, the actor, not the politician, sharing an office and we ran the hospital together. This I is all like, saints. This is all saints. And I was like, hi, John, how are you? Yeah, I've got, got some questions on the script. Oh, hello. Um, oh, what do you think about this? Um, but just this idea that, like, I was the person who... And the same would happen with Francis on Winners and Losers. These are my long-running television roles. This idea that everything had a place and everything was controlled. And you and had a clipboard. Constantly. Yeah. If I didn't have a clipboard, <laughs> I didn't know what to do with my That's hands. That's right. <laughs> um, but the absolute truth of me is that I am chaos. De- I am like define that for me. I, I want to hear that the bills aren't paid on time. Oh, There's God, nothing yeah. in the fridge, that all the yeah. plants have died. Yes. Yeah. Plants I can look after. Plants I love because you've got to have something to look after, right? It's one of those things about like a way to find happiness in the world. Connectedness. Exactly. Um, But if you ever have the misfortune of getting in my car, it's like somebody's emptied a salvo's bin, then picked up the car and shaken it. One of those cars. I know. I'm so sorry. I once gave Annabelle Crabb a lift home and I... I got to the car and I was like, oh, no. And I was like, Annabelle, you need to stand over there and look in that direction. And I just swept piles of stuff out of the front seat. Then I was like, don't look in the back seat, whatever you do. Like I had a murder victim in there. Like, don't look behind you, Annabelle. Um, so I am an absolute nightmare. My 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 desk for, um, you know, the, the show that I'm doing at the moment, my, my makeup desk is just... It's six pieces of makeup all with their lids off. It is um, a thousand one of these publicity interviews all scrawled up. It's tissues that I haven't thrown out. It's awful. You're and actually I'm a bit, sorry. you're a bit of a health hazard as well. I know. Frankly, I know. I think that's fair. Do you do you want to be cleaned up? <laughs> Are you offering? Um, <laughs> it's that that's uh, beyond my remit. Yes, I think that's fair. People have tried. Um, I always I always think that I can and should change in this way but actually I mean this isn't a funny joke this is actually something that I'm like oh this is um possibly undiagnosed ADHD like I actually honestly I am the person who I can hyper focus on something and I can write two good plays in six months which is what I did at the beginning of the apocalypse and I can narrow down and only think about that but I can't keep a single date in my head. I can't. I can't have any kind of system or organisation for the chaos that, that is, is my life. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever considered getting that looked at? Yes. Get this. I have the referral, but making the appointment <laughs> is so hard for me that I have not done it. I've had it for months, oh and I haven't been to get the. <laughs> we're halfway there, I think. <laughs> no, right? Now we, we're not. In, we won't invade your privacy and, and ask you how that turns out. But I think I'm going to want to know. The fork in the road I almost took was... Yeah, I absolutely would have been an academic if I wasn't this. Ah, in, of, in what field? In English literature. Both of my parents are teachers. My father lectures in music history and my mother lectures in English literature. And she was... Both of them are incredible teachers, like really dynamic, really engaging teachers. How lovely. It's so wonderful. And like what an incredible way to grow up that we would go and see shows or even just watch shows on the television and talk about the language in it and and pick it apart. Um, And my mother was head of the English literature department at Sydney University for 25 years. Right. And she is still, she is one of the, like, most beloved teachers at Sydney University. Uh, She retired about 10 years ago. And still to this day, 
there's a whole cohort of people who, when I meet in this world, in the arts world, Neil Unfield, Tommy Murphy, when I meet them, they go, oh, Ginny, oh, great. Hey, how's your mum? (laughs) (laughs) And it keeps me humble, but it's also like, it's just a testament to how terrific she was as a teacher. And I just... The way that she taught me to close read, like her her real thing, well, she had two big things. One was that Shakespeare or anything that was a play was designed to be performed. Mm. Um, you read it out loud at the very least. At the very least. And yeah. she would do these lunchtime tutes where people would get up and perform things. And so it's, it's actually also has been a hotbed of actors discovering that they were actors, which is super cool. Nice. Um, and the second thing that she was so adamant about was particularly in poetry every every word has a purpose and every comma has a purpose and every semicolon has a purpose so if you can close read if you can investigate why this word in this way and why not another word then you can unpick all of literature mm. basically and so that skill is the most important skill and that is the thing that i would love to like that's I, I, I always thought of myself as an academic brain, not necessarily as a creative brain, for a very long time. I thought I was good at analysing but not making. Virginia, it can always be a huge challenge, though, to have, to have such inspiring parents, such accomplished parents, mm-hmm. and ones that you clearly admire and enjoy. That can be both an inspiration and a shadow. Yeah. Were there those two aspects as well, or was it all just glorious? Yeah, I, I always thought the shadow was my parents um, met and fell in love and have been together for over 50 years. Yeah, it's a hard bar to meet, right? It really is, yeah. and I'm because of chaos, because of chaos <laughs> and also because of my job and the way that I'm constantly moving state. I have these fabulous love affairs. I have these glorious short-term, you know, sometimes short-term as long as a couple of years things. And I, uh, I certainly I've always felt the, the kind of shadow of that, of going like, oh, God, well, it's, <laughs> not, it does, it's not that, I suppose. <laughs> it's not 50 years. <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm having a good time. There you go. Just got to bring, bring them home, another one to meet. Exactly. And, and how do they manage that? Very well. <laughs> very well. <laughs> Charmingly, I'm sure. Um, what about I always... I always order. <laughs> I always order one of every dessert for the table. If we're at a um, group function mm-hmm. and we get to the end of the meal, and people start that little picking dance that they do—the little oh, oh, should we have a? We'll just get one creme caramel for that. And we'll oh, sh- we'll, and just, we'll share it between yeah, us. Yeah yeah, 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 between the seven of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Oh, maybe, maybe we'll get a tiramisu. I'm the person who goes. We will have one of everything on the dessert menu and sixty spoons. Off you go. I just believe in it. I believe in the in. I the, like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I believe in the spirit of abundance, and I believe in the spirit of every. Everybody wants something like that, but is maybe too ashamed to ask. And maybe you also believe in the spirit of leave my chocolate mousse alone. (laughs) No, I'm very much (laughs) like, if if this is good, I'm like, taste it. Let me smear it in your mouth. Chaos. I'm I'm halfway between that two point. I want to do that, but I also just want to keep that for myself. (laughs) What about I never? I never. This is, I mean, this is a, a little one, but it's true. I, I never have a facial. I know this is ridiculous. I know it's little and it's connected to the rest of the job that we do. I've had one facial in my entire life and it made me so unhappy. I had to stop. Why? I don't like being lightly touched. And because you know, in this industry, I have all of my reserves in the hour and a half of I spend in makeup every single day for television, right? So every single reserve of that, of taking those light, light touches happens 
throughout the day, throughout the work day. And so the idea of going and doing something that is meant to be a pleasure in my downtime <laughs> of light touching um, is um, absolutely mad to me. If anybody's going to touch me, it needs to be the most intense massage of your life. I need you to put the entire weight of your body behind one elbow into one place in my trap and leave it there for like three minutes. <laughs> We're getting a comprehensive picture of Virginia Gay today. Do you use a weighted blanket? Yes, I do. I love them. We're building up a picture here, Virginia. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, we really are. Do you find certain things that you wear really irritating yes. as well? And yes, yes, absolutely. Do you take the labels out of the back of your absolutely. clothes? Absolutely, yes. Okay. <laughs> this is not my qualification. I'm just going to back off here, but this is all very, very Sounds interesting. Sounds like a diagnosis, doesn't it? <laughs> Holy I, I'm not going anywhere near there. That's so fascinating. Have you been given, like, vouchers for facial, facials over the years and gone, oh, God, can I just get the money back? Yeah, I have to say very clearly to my friends, people are like, day spa. I'm like, what about an aggressive massage instead? <laughs> Another version of a day spa. Exactly. What's the discipline like and what's the, what are the, the acting muscles like? And are they very, very different when it comes to being on the stage, you know, eight shows a week versus um, a, a weekly long running television series? Are they two different skill sets? I, uh, I was taught when I was growing up that there were two different skill sets. And then actually working with John Howard taught me that you can do anything of any size on screen as long as it's honest. So generally we're told on screen you keep it very small. You keep it very small and you do nothing and you just say the lines. You hit the, oh, really? hit the mark, say the lines, do nothing. That was, right. you know, that's a, a basic sort of trick for, for less... For, um, as opposed to being on the stage in the theatre where it's actually, it's bigger, it's larger. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's got to play to the back, the back of the stalls. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is that John Howard used to have these huge explosions on screen. Yeah. In, and I was like, oh, shit. I was told you couldn't do that. I was told that wasn't allowed in screen. But actually, if it's honest, if it's true, you can absolutely do it. It's just that the camera can tell a lie. It can tell if you're faking it. Do you think that more so than, say, I can tell sitting in the dress circle that you're faking it on stage? Well, here's the thing. So the other side of that is that I used to think that, you know, uh, stage is all about size and it's about volume and it absolutely is about volume. Let me be clear about that. Yeah, like, it that is. is important. Yeah, a little complaint here about people I can't hear <laughs> when they're on the stage. But, but one of the things that I have noticed even doing Cyrano is, you know, Cyrano's got a lot of a direct address to the audience. Cyrano is very consciously about a show within a show, about how we make a show in this world at this moment. But the moments that pin the whole show together are these moments of tiny, tiny moments of truth, of stillness, of truth, of the tiniest little shifts. And again, if it's true, if it serves the purpose, that can be the most powerful thing in the world. Mm. So yes, absolutely, it's a muscle. Vocally, it's a muscle. You can hear that I haven't warmed up yet because there's, some, there's a lot of you know breaking down in the show. And yesterday before the show, I was like, that's right, I have to get into a process of like 20-minute warm-up so that I, the, the instrument is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Darling. Darling. Um, but the, the sense that there are things that you can't do in one... Um, media and the other is a lie. Okay. It just has to be honest. What about the time I got it terribly wrong? Oh, good. So about once every 10 years, I think I can do a competitive show. 
on on television. I'm, oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, the reality TV competitive show. Exactly. Like it takes two, for yes, example. Yes. yes. And I can't, Virginia, I can't. It activates something in my soul. Competition in the world of the arts is, I believe, the wrong way to uh, to approach the arts. Well, you're in the wrong field, honey, because you know it's full of it. That, I know, I know. But I have also noticed that every single time I've had an incredible time making uh, a show, be it on stage or on television, it's been a collaborative experience. It's mm. been an experience where we each help each other along and together we go further than we could before. So when I say yes to competitive shows, <laughs> not only do I immediately become incredibly unhappy, but it brings out something. It brings out the 14-year-old shot putter in me where I'm like, but I must. Like, it brings out a nasty quality You're, in me. You turn into a monster. I turn into a monster. Do you do the same with competitive board games? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, did you hear the hesitation? The hesitation was, if I say yes, nobody will play with me. And I want people to play board games with me. N not all of them are listening, but I will tell them <laughs> that, that you said yes. That's <clears throat> interesting. It's, Were you a competitive shot putter? I w I w I, it was the one sport that I played in my performing arts <laughs> high school because these shoulders, babies, Look at those shoulders. they're not just ornamental, no, okay? They, they are sensational, purpose. yeah. They, um, they could go a few yards. And, there, and as a, like a, as a, like a, not a, not a teacher's pet, but maybe a teacher's pet, like some, yes. No, well, no, 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 oh, no, great. no, go on, yes. I just, I loved, I loved being good at things and that became like the most important quality about me and I had to unlearn that to make art. So if you were asked to go on, you know, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, would you be able to say no? I think I would now. Now I have learned it. I've done it. I've done it. I've said yes twice, except here's the thing. Mm. There's more one you want to go on, isn't there? Yeah, more than anything else in the world, I would go. love to learn to dance. I would love to learn you to dance. You want to be on Dancing with the Stars. And here's the thing. I just think it would be an incredible way oh, to learn a lot go. quickly. See, but this See is she hasn't thing. learned. This is how I trick myself into it. Learn. Every time I'm like, it'll be fun. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, no. I'm, all I want is for us all to succeed. Come on, let's put on a show right here in the old bar. <laughs> <laughs> It's a small thing, but I'm still so proud that I am kind and generous. This is a thing that I like is the most important quality to me. As, as I said, it's the way that you make great art. It's the way that you make people happy in a social situation. And I think I grew up being um, uh, with a performance of jadedness, of worldliness in my teenage years, in my 20s even. Right? Yeah, we all did. We all did. Yeah, you know? totally. We, we put that suit on and we thought that it fitted. We did. And mm. it was grunge and it was the 90s and people were like, yes, of course you have to be disinterested in everything and be like, whatever. But I have learnt that I feel best and I have seen people flourish when I'm able to make space for people and welcome them into the conversation. And it's one of the qualities that I, as I said, I'm most proud of. I don't think it's a small thing. I think that's a big thing. I mean, th I think it's the thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, which is that uh, it's, a, it's a, a rising tide that lifts all boats. Exactly. Allowing everyone, making space for everyone to shine. It's absolutely right. It's not, it's not taking from me if you do well and vice versa. In fact, yes. Let's yeah. look at we all, all these We all go boats. together. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think we've spoken about this once, um, that I used to think that there was something dirty about enthusiasm to be like... To that be was the jaded teenager. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but again, it stretched all into my 20s. And now I just know that 
enthusiasm is the most extraordinary quality that you can have, especially if you're making something, especially if you're meeting people for the first time. People always remember somebody who leans forward and goes, that is so fascinating. Tell me more about that. Mm, that's very true. That that absolutely has an impact. Well, I can just imagine what the secret pleasure or the guilty pleasure might be. In fact, <laughs> I imagine there's a list of 20 of them. Would, certainly you, is. would you like to choose one? Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> okay. And I thought long and hard on this. I've got so many crossed out ones. <laughs> but my secret pleasure, Virginia Triolo. Yes is Bunnings. Oh. My God, I love that place. I love that place so much. I love that place. I find it so calming. I love everybody who works there where you can go up to them. I grew up not being any kind of practical person. I was a bookish child. Um, so we didn't have any power drill, any kind of power till tools in the yes. house. We always, we didn't know how to like even hang a railing. And the, <laughs> the, the learning that I have done to become a kind of person who looks at a wall and goes, oh yeah, I can, I, I can fix that. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just pop off to Bunnings and then I go there and I ask the people and I'm like, and it's a drywall, but I'll probably need to find where the studs are. Do I need a stud finder or can I do that with the, just knocking on the wall? I find it absolutely fascinating. And they can, do, whatever you ask, they can direct you wherever, no, that's down the end on the left of aisle 14. You're like, oh, you don't know that. Exactly. And it turns and out there. that they do. And it's there. It's absolutely <laughs> right. Sausage uh, or no sausage? Always sausage. Always sausage. Okay. Yeah. Onions? Yes, yes. Sauce, All the mustard, oh, the whole lot. Okay. Excess, chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I want it dripping off onto the ground. Oh, I, I can it. see it dripping right now. <laughs> Tell me one of the ones that was crossed off. Oh, well, it was... <laughs> it was... It was binge eating which is not a, <laughs> which is not a happy pleasure no, really not but my god sometimes I can look at a single bag of like licorice all sorts and be like well that'll be 15 minutes what do I do after that no look I, I, I have a, a dear friend I've known her for years and she says to me I don't understand people who can buy the cake and they have a slice and then they put it in the cupboard she says, I don't get that no. and no, with real distress like because don't you just like have to eat every single slice until it's gone and there's a big part of me wanting to scream yes <laughs> but I don't I do the right thing and I say no you put it in a cake tin and, I know. you know I know, and then welcome other people over, which is great. That's always nice to have something to give to people. I used to be when in um, in at winners and losers, we decided that we were all goddesses of something. Melanie Vallejo was the goddess of vitality. Um, she's always interested and engaged with people, and I was the goddess of excess because <laughs> and it's very specifically excess because 80% of hanging out with me is terrific and then the last 20% you're like Jiddy no and I'm like keep on going <laughs> so I've actually recast myself in my um, late 30s I recast myself as the goddess of abundance because abundance is just enough and a little bit flowing over rather than excess, than excess. which will drown you exactly right <laughs> the, the, the cornucopia that exactly. is actually just beautifully filled Virginia thank you for being here You Don't Know Me is presented by me, Virginia Trioli, produced by Kelsey Rotino, Jules Hay and Shelley Hadfield, with thanks to Katrina Palmer. Audio production by Ross Kay. On the next episode of You Don't Know Me, singer, actor and TV host who just so happens to be the son of Jimmy Barnes, David Campbell joins us on You Don't Know Me and there's so much more to his story than having a famous father. It really did damage me to the point where I did not know what to do for a long time. I mm. became paralyzed with fear. I became paralyzed with just crippling self-doubt and depression and um, you know, drinking very heavily to sort of numb those pains and feelings and escape 
that torture of like, this is not working and I've made a terrible mistake. That's on the next episode of You Don't Know Me. Thanks for listening. Got a minute? Dip into StoryStream for quick, easy, real stories from across the country. I was only 11. Apparently I was qualified to be the translator. When you're part of a team, you do it because you love it. Even now, I just get a little bit giggly thinking about it. Oh, it's just so exciting. Continuous, skippable Australian stories, exclusive to the ABC Listen app. I was going to say something else then, but anyway. <laughs> Bleep. Look for StoryStream on the home screen of the ABC Listen app.